Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There's no off-season here, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this on the 11th day of December 2017 in the Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. All right, folks, when you do a baseball podcast in the offseason, there's really only three things you're talking about. You're talking about, you know, moves like trades or free agency. You're talking about Hall of Fame, or you're talking about weird stuff that pops into your pal Sully's brain. And when this was the daily podcast, man, some weird stuff happened in the offseason. But this is not one of those days. This is a day we're talking about number two. Not poop. We're talking about Cooperstown. Weird transition there. I'm the first to admit it. Well, Jack Morris was on the ballot for 15 years. And he never quite got over the hump. He never got the 75%. He came real close. But he kind of was in the crosshairs of a change in terms of how we evaluate pitchers. Well, we're not just leaning on victories. I think wins are a dubious stat. They're a, they're a sexy stat. If you win 20 games, that's fun. If you win 300 games, that's fun. But as I've demonstrated on this podcast, and as anyone with any takes two steps back and really analyzes what a win means and what a loss means, you know that it's, it's borderline subjective, And the fact that Jack Morris got the most wins in the 1980s was probably his greatest argument. There were many, many other starting pitchers in the 80s who had better peaks than he did. Fernando Valenzuela had a better peak than he did. Dave Steeb had a better career than he did. Doc Gooden had a better peak than he did. I would argue Jimmy Key, his teammate on the 1992 Toronto Blue Jays, had a better peak than he did. Uh, And you saw that other pitchers had better long-term careers. You know, for someone who's based their entire uh, Hall of Fame candidacy on their win total, not cracking the 300 win total is kind of strange. This is all about wins, basically. He had a, you know, a good ERA, not a great one. Uh, He had some outstanding postseason performances. And he had some crappy postseason performances. He was bad in 1987. He was bad in 1992, save for one complete game loss. Uh, He got blown out in one game by the A's, and he pitched poorly in his two World Series starts. But uh, Jack Morris is someone who I've been back and forth on. At first, your pal Sully was a real traditionalist. And I also, there was the, the bias of I saw it. I saw Jack Morris's peak, and I saw that Jack Morris's greatest performance came on the greatest stage of the greatest World Series I ever saw, which was the 1991 World Series. And that always clouded, made my judgment cloudy. Uh, did it sully it? I don't know. Uh, but I was a big, hey, Morris belongs in the Hall of Fame, until I started really breaking it down and analyzing it. And it really began when I started breaking down and analyzing Burt Blylevin, because at one point I was like, well, you know, Morris was an ace. He was a great ace. Was Blylevin ever an ace? And then I analyzed their careers. I said, wait a minute. Yes, Blylevin was an ace. 
He was a Hall of Fame caliber ace. And Jack Morris had some very, very good seasons, a couple of great seasons, never a young winner, never a top two Cy Young candidate, and got there out of longevity and his three world championships. And so I kind of fell off the Morris bandwagon. There's also other stuff we've learned about Morris just as a human being. He's kind of a despicable human being, but there are plenty of despicable human beings in the Hall of Fame, and if we start going by that, we're going to really start whittling down. You know, if I, I mean, I'm, it, it's a difficult thing to go to because he said and you know professed some pretty awful points of view. But I've kind of almost had to draw the line on if it's points of view. I mean, I almost have to be like, all right, you know, we have terrible humans in there. You know, Tom Yawkey's in the Hall of Fame. He's a disgusting piece of shit. So is Bobby Cox. They are disgusting pieces of shit. Sorry, Ray, but they are. And sometimes that word means something. And so, you know, I don't put Jack Morris's sexist comments and, and points of view in the same caliber of the dreadful awfulness that is Bobby Cox or the inexcusable inhumanity that is Tom Yawkey. So he was on the ballot. Morris was on the ballot for 15 years, fell off the ballot. I was like, all right, well, that debate's over. It's a decade and a half of debate. Came close, didn't go there. Then I wake up this morning, and he's in the Hall of Fame anyway. Voted in by the Veterans Committee. Um, and you know what? I'm going to live with it. I'm going to live with it. At one point, I was firmly in his camp. By the end, I wasn't. But they never put in bad players. They never put in people without an argument. There's some people in the Hall of Fame. I don't agree with their Hall of Fame uh, status. Or let me let me rephrase that. I would not have voted for them. I would not have voted for Bruce Souter. I don't know if I would have voted for Don Sutter, Sutton or not. Maybe not. Uh, I probably would not have voted for Mazeroski. But they're in the Hall of Fame. And you know what? If it really makes me angry, and for some of you who there's other people in that Hall of Fame that people really are against. I know some people were really against Jim Rice. I think some people were against Tony Perez. Just deal with it. Just deal with it. I'm going to deal with Morris. And another one is inevitably going to be elected this year, and that is uh, Trevor Hoffman who I absolutely don't think is a Hall of Famer, but will be a Hall of Famer, and I'll just have to kind of shrug. I'm like, all right, there he is. We wouldn't have had my vote, but there he is. Congratulations. There you go. Alan Trammell, who also had 15 years on the ballot, fell off the ballot, never quite got there. He got in as well, and I don't think there's anyone, both in the traditional stats category or in the advanced analytics categories, who would disagree with Alan Trammell being in the Hall of Fame. I completely believe he is a Hall of Famer. I think he, he belongs in. I think it's thrilling that he's in. And I'm glad, you know, now there are two players on the 1984 Detroit Tigers who are Hall of Famers. You know, before the only Hall of Famer on that team was manager Sparky Anderson. Well, now there's two players. I believe there should be a third. I believe Lou Whitaker needed to be on that 
Veterans Committee ballot. So would Dave Steeb. But Lou Whitaker certainly should have been on that. If for no other reason than to let's examine his candidacy again. I, I'm of the belief that if there is a Veterans Committee, its main job is not to rehash the candidates who have been on there for a decade and a half, like Trammell, like Morris, but to take a look at some of them who were, maybe were one and done unjustly. I just brought up two right now, Lou Whitaker and Dave Steep. Now, you can make compelling cases for both of them to be in the Hall of Fame. Dave Steeb, by almost every metric with the exception of wins, was a better pitcher than Jack Morris. Lou Whitaker, by almost every metric, was at least comparable to his longtime teammate, Alan Trammell. And yet, because of when they were on the ballot, they fell off the ballot very, very quickly, one and done, without any real analysis of their candidacy. And sometimes analysis of a candidacy is worthwhile. Keeping Burt Blylevin on the ballot for all those years eventually made people come around and say, hey, wait a minute, he had a great career. It may not have jumped off the page at first glance, but it's true. But we've never, we, we never had that debate with Steep. We never had that debate with Lou Whitaker. And so I think that, you know, hopefully the committees come around every few years. Um, hopefully five, maybe ten years from now, Lou Whitaker will have his career reexamined. Dave Steeb will have his career reexamined. Now, whether or not they get in or not, that's a completely other bag, different bag of tomatoes. But they deserve better than the one and done. And that's one of the things that kind of feels weird about Morris and Trammell, who just fell off the ballot, that they got theirs after a decade and a half of examination to then have them be reexamined, but these other two weren't. And that just, that feels strange to your past, Sully. But that being said, Morris is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, congratulations. Trammell's in the Hall of Fame. Great. I think that's justified and probably overdue. Now, the Hall of Fame is going to have a busy, busy induction ceremony this summer. Because right now, you already know you have two. You have two players, and you got a bunch of people from Detroit are going to show up there. You already have two. And there have been some years you only had two. But because we've had the backlog of people wringing their hands of, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do with the steroid users, we've, and you had that one year where they voted for nobody, you're seeing the, back, the effect of the backlog that we're, the players who we should be debating and who we should be analyzing are getting the short end of the stick because new players come in, close ballots are still on there, and we are debating whether or not the greatest hitter of his generation and the greatest pitcher of his generation should be in the Hall of Fame. And yet, Pudge Rodriguez and uh, Mike Piazza and Jeff Bagwell are in the Hall of Fame. 
And I agree with all of those. Piazza belongs in the Hall of Fame. Pudge Rodriguez belongs in the Hall of Fame. Bagwell belongs in the Hall of Fame. I think all three of them did PEDs. Do I have evidence for that? No. This goes to the uh, atheism agnostic point of view that I have. You know, <laughs> what, uh, I'm both an atheist and an agnostic in, in real life. Those are not mutually exclusive terms. Uh, one has to do with belief and the other has to do with knowledge. I don't believe the claims that there is a God. I don't believe we can have knowledge of the existence of said God. So therefore, I'm an atheist and an agnostic. N- belief, theism. Gnostic, knowledge. And I think the, all, the best way I can always illustrate those different points of view are my points of view of someone like Jeff Bagwell. I believe he did performance-enhancing drugs. I do not have the knowledge that he did. Belief, you know, knowledge is a subset of belief. You know, there, there was no tests that came positive out for him, so therefore I can't say definitively that he did, but I believe he did. I don't always have to have, I, I can't say it on a, at a court of law, you know, and I can't condemn him for that. I think that the situation with someone like Bagwell is different than someone like, um, let's just say Manny Ramirez, who was, who was caught twice in violating the PED drug policy. But I've also got to the point where I don't care. I think Barry Bonds is one of the greatest players in baseball history. I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I think the same can be said about Roger Clemens. And the hand-wringing over not only those two, but also Sammy Sosa, Gary Sheffield, Manny Ramirez. There was hand-wringing over Mark McGuire. You know, there was some hand-wringing over Bagwell. There was some hand-wringing over Mike Piazza. But it's funny how there was no hand-wringing over Pudge Rodriguez, who was one of the people named in the Jose Canseco book, which, by the way, Everything Jose Canseco has said has come true. What I'm getting at is we are already setting up to having a gigantic class of 2018 in the Hall of Fame. Because we're already two in. Now, you take a look at last year's ballot. We're having a lot of people that are just crammed in a completely boxed-in, bottleneck ballot because of the hand-wringing. And I've been saying this for the last few years, that we got to have one year where we just, just like the equivalent of getting some bran, we just flush everything out. Just flush everything out so we can have normal ballots. Now, keep in mind, we have two that are already in. Last year, Trevor Hoffman, a guy who would not get my vote for the Hall of Fame, but I am resigned to the fact that he will be in the Hall of Fame. He was at 74% last year. He almost got in last year. If you're at 74%, you're going to get in the next year. You're going to pick up 1%, okay? So we know we got Trammell, we got Morris, and we got Trevor Hoffman going in. That We're up to three. Vladdy Guerrero also was at 71%. Getting that additional 4% is going to be a snap. So, boom, we're up to 4. 
we're already up to four that I think are pretty much guaranteed. Another one is pretty much guaranteed. It's Jim Tomei. Now, do I think Jim Tomei took PEDs? I have no idea. He played in the steroid era. It was a, one of the biggest home run hitters during the steroid era. How could anyone shock us at this point? Okay? But he hit over 600 home runs and is one of the most beloved players. When people talk about Jim Tomei, they talk about him as if he is the, the single nicest man ever to breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide. Every writer loves him. Every player loves him. He's on the ballot. He has the numbers. He's in. So we're up to five. We know we have five in this class. Trammell, Morris, Hoffman, Vladdy Guerrero, Jim Tomey. Five people are going to be on that stage holding up a plaque. Hey, who's this? Is his name Larry? No, his name is Chipper. Chipper Jones is on the ballot. Now, is he guaranteed to be a first ballot Hall of Famer? You know what I think about first ballot, second ballot Hall of Famer. It doesn't change the type of Hall of Famer that you are. You get the plaque. It doesn't matter. But I think Chipper Jones had the career, had the, you know, the, the beloved status and all this other crap. He's done some weird stuff uh, off the field and everything. But hey, did he use PEDs? Probably played the steroid era. But do you know what? We got him anyway. Trammell, Morris, Hoffman, Guerrero, Jones, Tomei. We're up to six. We're up to six. It's starting to look like we're doing, we are the world up there with such the big crowd. Now, also keep in mind, Barry Bonds last year was at 53.8%. Roger Clemens was at 54.1%. Edgar Martinez was at 58.6%. And one of the most interesting ones is Mike Messina. Now, Mike Messina is superior in virtually every stat to Jack Morris. And with Morris now in the Hall of Fame, I'm sure a lot of people are like, well, Christ, if Morris is in, we got to vote for Messina. And I think any combination, like maybe Bonds and Clemens won't get over the top this year. Maybe they will. Maybe enough people, maybe fewer than... uh, you know, maybe like 20% more agree that Edgar Martinez belongs in than he's in. You know, then maybe the inclusion of Morris will get a tidal wave of support for Mike Messina. Now, at this point, we're not even bringing up Sosa, Sheffield, or Manny Ramirez, who we put over in the PED corner. And we're not even bringing up, I think Jeff Kent is probably in that PED corner as well. Who the hell are we kidding? And then you have the likes of Larry Walker, uh, Scott Rowland, Andrew Jones, Billy Wagner, Omar Vizquel, Johan Santana. These are all players who, in normal situations, we're debating them. We're, We're talking about these, but because we've had this bottleneck ballot, we have all these other no-brainers that are clogging everything up. And I'm going to throw one more name into the hopper. Remember when Lou Gehrig passed away? He's already in, I know. But when he passed away, they did an emergency ballot and put him in without the waiting period. They did the same thing for Roberto Clemente after he died in the plane crash on New Year's Eve 1972. Well, guess what? I believe Roy Halladay is a Hall of Famer. 
and sadly, Roy Halliday passed away in the tragic plane crash this uh, this winter. And so, why wait? What, what, what is going to happen by waiting? We honor the memory of Hall of Famer Roy Halliday. So, let's say I let's say they do what your pal Sully wants to do, and they put in Halliday. Then, right now, Trammell, Morris, Halliday, Hoffman, Guerrero, Chipper Jones, Jim Tomey. Right there, that's seven. Now, if you are resigned to the fact that Bonds and Clemens are going to be in the Hall of Fame, and you don't like that, I want them in. I think they deserve to be in. But this is almost the great compromise. Put them in in a year where it will be so crowded that the MC will say, Roger, you've got a three-minute speech tops. Tops. Barry, if you don't want to say anything, don't worry about it. we got to cut someone from time. I did enough comedy shows in my life that the MC knows that if they've got an overbooked show, the idea of saying, do you know what? We need someone to drop out of this. Yeah, we got to get some more time. And so maybe that's what, for those of us who are concerned about an, having Bonds and Clemens and be celebrated, why not do it in a day where it's going to be so crowded with other players that it's just you're bound to have someone you want to see anyway? By the way, there's another name in there that should be under the uh, the debating participation, which I believe he's a Hall of Famer, even though he says lots of BS in the off in you know off the field, and that's Kurt Schilling. I believe Kurt Schilling's a Hall of Famer. Kurt Schilling and I do not see eye to eye on politics, on evolution, uh, all this BS that's going on that he he that he vomits up in his Twitter feed. But he's a Hall of Fame caliber pitcher. I believe he should be in this year and on this incredibly crowded day. It's because, again, you won't have much time to speak. But he didn't get as much support as, say, Martinez or Mussina or even Clemens or Bonds in the last year. It's funny. When you tweet out stuff about how uh, newspaper writers should be hanged, guess what? That newspaper writers may not be compelled to put a little X next to your name on the ballot. But my point is this. We're already going to have a crowded stage. Even if they don't do Halliday. And even if Chipper Jones doesn't get in on the first ballot, you're still going to have five up there. That's a crowded stage to begin with. So if we're going to go crowded, and I, you know, I believe Jones is going to get in. If we're going to go crowded, then let's just go super crowded. Get this over with. Get it over with. and Because if it's just a night where it's Bonds and Clemens and that's it, there's going to be lots of people pissed. There's going to be lots of sanctimonious this, that, or the other thing. But if you do on a night where you can celebrate Trammell, you can celebrate the honor of Halliday, you can celebrate Vladdy Guerrero and Jim Tomey. Who hates Vladdy Guerrero and Jim Tomey? Vladdy Guerrero and Jim Tomey are like the two most cuddly, nice... I've, I've never met them for all. I know they're both assholes. But in terms of their public persona, who hates Vladdy Guerrero? Who hates Jim Tomey? A grand total of zero people. So, oh, geez, here's Bonds. Oh, here's Clements. Oh, here's Vladdy! And everyone goes around happy. <sighs> you know, 
I've been begging for a super crowded day, and I think that's the one way to get through all this nonsense. Just pull the Band-Aid off the hairy arm, and here we go. Have one day, because let's just say, because if we're up to me, you know, I wouldn't have Morris and I wouldn't have uh, Hoffman up there, but I'm resigned to those, those two being up there. But you have Trammell, you have Morris, Trevor Hoffman, Vlad Guerrero, Chipper Jones, Jim Tomey, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Edgar Martinez, Mike Mussina, and the family of Roy Halladay. That's a day of celebration. Then that's a day that you deal with Bonds and Clemens and still have it be a happy day and a day of celebration. For those of us who want to see them there, it's great. For those who don't want to see them there, there's still plenty for you to celebrate. And you have the biggest, craziest... you know, uh, induction class we've ever seen, but that's the price you pay when you had a year where you voted in nobody. And they're going to get in anyway. Lots and lots and lots of people did not want to see Jack Morris in the Hall of Fame. And here he is. Lots and lots and lots of people don't want to see Bonds or Clemens in the Hall of Fame. But he's going to be there. So why not get it over with? We are on the verge of having the biggest Hall of Fame class of all time. If we're going to do it, let's go all the way. If you have any criticism, you disagree with me, just shoot me an email at info at sullybaseball.com. Go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Hoping and seeing the root For the biggest Hall of Fame class of all time, this has been the Sully Baseball Podcast for the 11th day of December 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.